0: Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest
1: times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together.
0: If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit Recovering2.com. We know what you're going through and we're here to help. We're recovering too.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. We are very excited. We have an old friend uh, with us today who is so wonderful to share her story um, and her husband Rick. So Ashley, welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. Hello. hey <laughs>
1: Ashley
2: <laughs> oh all right so we met Ashley about five a little bit more than five years ago probably uh she was still she was in the same family group as us I think and it'd be was-
3: like almost five years ago because mm-hmm. yeah yeah because it was around Christmas time oh okay uh, yeah then yeah. I started going to family meetings
2: yeah So, you know, you're kind of the same age as us, like you were going through some of the same wild stuff as us. So I think we all just kind of uh, connected. Uh, So if you want to go ahead, would you mind maybe tell us a little bit, maybe tell us how you and Rick met?
3: Yeah. So Rick and I met around, uh, well, it was the beginning of 2010 uh, on Match.com. Uh, which is the place to meet people now anymore. Yes. So. I, forgot,
0: I forgot all this. I'm so excited. I forgot all this.
3: Yeah, uh, so it was Match.com. It was funny um, it, because, you know, you get on there and everybody's like, they got the shirts or with the pictures with their dogs, you know, and <laughs> And his first picture was him like kneeling down, kind of like near like kneel something, like this is my cool like car or something, right? Like he's like kneeling down, but he's like kneeling down next to a server, like a tech server. Like (laughs) like 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 it's his pride and joy. And I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. This guy is so nerdy and so proud. So that was, that was how we met. So we went, um, our like first date was at a, uh, comedy club. I think it was crackers. Hopefully. Oh, that was that's yeah. And, uh, he said it was just for our first date because he knew no matter what I was probably going to laugh. And that way he just associate the laughing with him. So then it had to have been a good date or something. That was his, oh, his thought process. So smart, yeah, it, yeah.
2: Very smart. it he makes sense. To be yeah. clever, you
3: know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, so that that's kind of how we met, and uh, he lived on the west side of town, I lived on the east, and after, I think, like, six or seven months, we had kind of, like, moved in. He moved in with me, because I owned my house, and he rented his, so that kind of made more sense at the time, and uh, yeah, so then we yeah. got married in, like, thir- 12, 2012, so. so and during then- this time when you, when you guys
1: first met was was Rick an addict at this point
3: or in recovery or was there anything related to addiction? As like an addict recovery, probably actually until death, maybe on the addict part. But, um, so he, um, so, but he did suffer from PTSD and he did, he was pretty open about that early on in the relationship, not like first date, but it came out, he is, he is a air force veteran so he was in the air force for 9 years okay. um he did uh, he was a loadmaster you know what that is but uh, i didn't know much uh, what that is basically they just make sure the load is good on the on the airplane but uh oh. <laughs> So, but he did a lot of missions with joint force stuff. So he did stuff with the Navy and the army and like they would have troops and they would did a lot of humanitarian stuff. And so he got to see a lot of stuff that maybe some people don't get to see. Um, So he, um, and and he lost a few friends and, and, and lost people Mm -hmm. um, close to him. So he did suffer from PTSD because of that. So that was probably the only thing that like, maybe I would know early on. Other than that, like, we were just, you know, we like to drink, we like to party, Um, you know, we were in our, you know, mid-20s, early Mm -hmm. 20s, you know, kind of, kind of that era, you know, right out of Mm -hmm. college, um, just that was the norm, right? you go out and get hammered on the weekends, and yep, you know, (laughs) and then Mm
2: -hmm. Ashley, you're a veteran too, right? Now, did you guys yeah, have we did not uh, was that like that a common way, bond?
3: Though. Yeah, okay. it was a common bond, but we did not meet through that way. I actually said I wouldn't date a military guy because um, I find them usually annoying. Um, but uh, they're usually a little full of themselves. But uh, but he was a geek, you know, so it was it worked out. Um, so yeah, and at that point he wasn't doing anything with the military when I met him. He was working for an IT company, so he was a, actually a president of an IT company at that time. So. It's oh, a cool. very small company. It sounds, it sounds awesome, but it was small. <laughs> like four <laughs> employees, you know? <laughs> yeah.
2: Awesome. I mean, so can you, um, you've alluded to that Rick has since passed away. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us like maybe a little bit, um, cause you guys had a child together, right? Yes.
3: Yes. We have two yes. two kids mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, Two. So, um, yeah. So what was the question though? <laughs> I guess <laughs> well,
1: maybe we can maybe start with like, where did the addiction start or like in your perspective, at least, like where did you start seeing signs and how, you know, was it affecting like your relationship dynamic and family and things like that?
3: Yeah. So I guess I we, I guess together noticed some alcohol issues um, at first. And those would be, Um, where he would lose like whole next days, you know, I think we all had that hangover from Saturday night and you lose most of Sunday or, 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 you know, stuff like that. But this would be like, we wouldn't be drinking together and he would lose like the whole next day. And that would become like at least once or twice a week or so, Mm -hmm. you know, like it would start to get to the point where I'm having to take over a lot of duties around the house just because he wasn't doing things um, and, and then just be like kind of lazy and just sleep through the day the next day. So there was a lot of strain there. And so I was like, dude, you can't do that. Or, you know, like talk, trying to talk about it and I just get more frustrated, not really getting a good, like he would say he would get better and it get better for a couple of weeks and then it would go back to it. And so it was like that, that cycle, a cycle that we all know about now, but like, it would just, it would be that cycle and just trying to, so we realized that and so we did try to get some help or actually you know I was thinking about this last night I would get so angry that he would not help or he would lose all days and not participate in the the drinking and I kept fighting like trying not to have alcohol in the house I got so angry I started to have anger issues where I would like even getting angry at the kids and like would worry that I was going to hurt them Or like her, and and I never hit anybody, Uh, maybe throwing the occasional pillow. Um, But, uh, but I was like, I'd get so overwhelmed, I'd have to go in the other room and literally scream. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and was like, this is not normal. Like, I, I felt out of control. And so I went to go talk to someone using like, uh, my, my works EAP system. Um, And so I went to talk to someone about my anger issues. And I had a little bit of anger issues when I was a kid when my parents got divorced or, you know, just small things. And so I was okay going to talk to someone. And it was eye-opening when I talked to them and they said, and I explained everything, you know, you just lay everything out on the table. And they're like, Ashley, you have a right to be angry. What is going on in your life? you have a right to be angry. It's just what you do with that anger. So when mm-hmm. someone told me that I was like, that I wasn't crazy, that literally what I'm going through is pretty much unacceptable. I was like, okay, like now, I need to stop pointing the finger at myself. And we need, and you know, we need to do something about this, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't, so then that started us trying to get him help. And he was connected to the VA because he was actually actually a disabled veteran. So we had access to help there So we started some alcohol treatments, uh, or at least therapy about alcoholism through that, um, just talking to someone. Because I was like, I think you just need to go and talk to someone. So that was kind of, I guess, more when we started to address the alcohol issue. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And then from there, I think we actually had a pretty big incident related to alcohol, um, where he had gotten drunk. And, um, and it would be a common thing where he'd get drunk in the, the night and play video games all night and he would just drink and I would go to bed cause I got to wake up and be somebody the next morning. Someone's got to take care of the small kid that we have, you know, <laughs> I think we had a six month old at the time and I'm like a, a four or five year old. And so I'd go to bed and he'd stay up playing video games all night. And I was like, whatever. And, uh, he, I got woken up in the middle of the night by, flashing lights at my window like white bright lights no. like bright lights in my window like someone's like and, and, and this is on a second floor and I heard then I heard him come upstairs and open up our gun safe
1: that's alarming yeah
3: so I was I was pretty scared so I kind of but I didn't move you know like I got bright lights like I I have enough training I wasn't like oh my god what's going on like <laughs> I didn't I didn't do that so I just didn't move and I was just kind of observing what was going on and he had, he had even like cocked the gun and stood by the front door. And then I hear our front door open and I hear it's police come downstairs with your hands up. Whoa. And I was like, Oh, cause at first I'm thinking maybe there actually is something kind of bad happening, you know, like that we need to protect our family. But then when I yeah. heard that, I was like, uh, uh, uh mm-mm. <laughs> like, and it's like, what sat up and I saw him and he was kind of like perched by the front door if that makes or by the our bedroom door and so I don't know how else to describe it when it, but you could tell he was ready for something like he was preparing for a showdown <laughs> let's just say that it was insane so when I realized and heard it and I felt like sane enough I was like Rick you need to go downstairs like you you need to go downstairs and so he did he like he turned his basically turned the guns upside down, go downstairs and surrendered himself. And then I'm sitting there and I have both of my kids were in the same bedroom at the same time at that time. Cause my daughter liked to sleep near her brother, you know? So she'd sleep on the floor while he was in the crib. And so they were in the same bedroom, but then I'm like, Oh my gosh, these police are going to search our whole house, you know? And I'm like, I can't be just sitting up here in the bedroom in the dark. You know, like that's the worst thing that could happen right now. So I, you know, like brawless and like shorts in the middle of winter, like (laughs) go like walking downstairs and um, put my hands up. And I mean, sure enough, I mean, they put him in handcuffs. They put me in handcuffs. They searched the whole house. Um, so during this time, were you just also like, why is this
1: yeah. happening? Because you had no idea like, no
3: what idea. led them to being there, right? No idea why he was, this was happening. So it ended up being, he was acting kind of really weird and out of it. Um, but I didn't know if he was having an episode. So because of the PTSD, right? Mm. So I was like, is he... Like, he would sleepwalk, he would have nightmares, he would think things were there that weren't there. I mean, he had, like, all the symptoms. You read the book, he had it, we dealt with it. So, I was like, but, you know, um, oh, you know, and at this time, he wasn't supposed, he, this is the time we were limiting alcohol. Like, you could only have three or four beers in the house, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I was like, well, he can't be drunk. There's only three or four beers in the house, you know, and I had my box of wine, but he didn't drink wine. You know, and so the police officer asked me questions because his behavior was really weird, erratic and just like, you know, kind of belligerent um, and, and kind of crazy. Like he was being mean to the officers, which for him, he's a very nice person, uh, a very warm person, normally doesn't fight authority or anything. So it was odd. And he would barely look at me or like tell me what to do or not do Um And so it was very odd. And so I was like, well, no, he can't be drunk. You know, it's only four beers. And I was like, well, I did have my box of wine, but he wouldn't have drank beer and then the wine, you know. And then they pick up the box of wine. It was 100% empty. Oh. And it was full. Yeah. So I was like, really? What the? Like, so it kind of like, I guess, clicked that that's what had happened. And I guess why the police had come is he had shot out a neighbor's window with a pellet gun. (laughs)
0: Oh. <laughs> On purpose, like with an accident,
3: well, it was a neighbor he didn't like oh, uh, oh. and this has already gone to the courts and everything, yeah. so I don't care i I could say whatever um but uh, it was a neighbor he didn't like, and so the window was kind of far away, so he had like this this pellet gun that he could shoot, and he was like he would shoot cans off the fence, but he was really shooting at the window, I guess I didn't know he was did this I was asleep. <laughs> I knew he would shoot cans sometimes, but not at the neighbor's window. Well, he hit the <laughs> window like once. So what he would do is he'd play video games. It would get to a stopping point. He'd be like, I'm going to go out in the backyard and shoot a couple of things and then go play more video games. Or right? he'd go back and forth with doing this because mo- we had like a back <gasps> patio. And he he did that. And then uh, so they called the police because their window breaks, right? Yeah. And he didn't even know that the window broke because it was a small pellet gun. I don't even know that he knew he hit it or not. It was like a dink you know, crack. And it woke up the neighbors. Well, they called the police. The police came over. Well, he was so out of it. He didn't know the police were inside their house. And he shot the window again. Oh. <laughs> so, fine. But that yeah. is firing on an officer. Mm-hmm. And a oh, dang. So, so, they called shots fired. I had, like, seven cop cars in my cul-de-sac. Wow. And it was like on. Um, and wow. this
0: was your first real, like, eye opening experience to, like, oh, this maybe isn't normal behavior. Right. Yeah. yeah this
3: was like.
1: We or it's like this has this.
3: escalated. Yeah, this is sure. like you don't necessarily just go. Oh, I don't have an alcohol problem.
1: <laughs> you know, like... yeah. So did he though at that point? Like, was he willing to be like, oh yeah, maybe there's an issue with alcohol? We or... were
3: seeing like a therapist at that time, like through the VA and kind of working on it, but not not a twelfth, not any kind of program, not alcohol program, just what the VA offered, which was just like yeah. a more of a. A counselor.
1: Mm-hmm. Cause I remember like back before Jake went to treatment and things and a lot of issues were around alcohol. He would always admit like, yeah, I think I have trouble like managing mm-hmm. alcohol sometimes, or like, sometimes I just, you know, do too, like drink too much, but I'm not like an alcoholic type thing. And honestly I feel like if the drugs had not played a role I think he probably would have struggled with problem drink quote unquote problem drinking for years and it would have taken him a long time to admit like oh alcohol is actually a problem and just like the drugs and everything with drug addiction sped that up for him but that was something we dealt with a lot where it's like I don't know if this is normal but it wasn't like he was waking up and drinking and drinking all day and going to bed drinking and I don't know. My view of what an alcoholic was, was. Yeah.
3: And you sometimes it started with you drinking together. Like I'm drinking, Mm -hmm. you know, we're having drinks and then I'm just like, well, I'm just tired. I want to go to bed. And then, but you know, things like that happened, you know. I'm like, yeah, you know, then like, it
1: escalates. Yeah,
3: it escalates, or you lose all day, and then things become unfair just in the relationship. And it was like, okay, this isn't, yeah. you know, good. And then, you know, and some of it was the sympathy for him because I knew he had a lot of nightmares. So he would drink to try to get rid of them, you know. And I think mm-hmm. you can relate to that idea of, oh, I'm stressed, mm-hmm. you know, it, having a drink makes you feel a little better you know it doesn't make me an alcoholic Mm -hmm. but you know so it's like that rational you know at what point do you become an alcoholic and I don't think I never knew that or I don't know that anybody really knows that answer you know obviously you know people have their lists to figure that out but um I you know so it was never like it was like okay well we can manage it we can get through this you know um we just got to figure it out you just we just got to do something different you know that's kind of how we treated yeah. it so we just tried everything in the book you know limiting alcohol you know sustaining so for for a little while but then it was like there was that part where i was like i want to be able to drink <laughs> like why do can't i drink because you can't drink mm-hmm you know, and so that was really hard to manage, you know, because it was like, uh, yeah, I enjoy drinking, you know, like, I don't ever, you know, but I have two small kids at home, and I want to be able to have my glass of wine, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was like, it was that struggle, you know, to understand what that was at that time. So for sure. yeah.
1: So, So at what point, I was gonna ask, I don't know, or Alex, I was just going to ask at what point drugs came in the picture. But if, do you have a follow-up question on the drinking?
0: My question is along the same thing. Um, So what, like, give us like, where are we in the the timeline? What year? So how long have you been married? You know, where are we in that? And then go into Liz's question of kind of how it goes from there.
3: So we got married in 2012. And then we had our son in 13. And then at the end of 13. And so he this was during the cold months, but I don't think it was like middle winter. So he was about a year old, like nine to eight months to a year old when that happened. So that's, you know, so somewhere at the end of 14.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, and then yeah, so what happens after that? Like, how does it escalate from abusing alcohol to like, street drugs?
3: Yeah. So after that incident, he was, I mean, he was arrested. He was, he, he was, and ended up being pushed down to a misdemeanor, but he was on house arrest for six months. Oh, wow. So there was, there was a lot to that. And then he had to have alcohol treatment too, like, like ordered alcohol treatment. He had to go through <laughs> something so that we continued the VA stuff. And then, um, which they, they accepted things like that. But, um, I think somehow then in May, which I actually think I can't remember. It was May because I know it was Carb Day when it happened. My uh, he was at Carb Day with a bunch of other friends. Uh, I was jealous because I love Carb Day and I didn't go, but I had the kids. And yeah. he ended up horse horse playing and ripped his ACL off the bone. Oh. What? <laughs> And yeah, yeah, it ripped it off the bone. I don't know. Barely could still kind of half walk the rest of the day or whatever. I don't even know. So when we end up <laughs> going to the doctor and he had to have surgery, then that's when the opiates get prescribed. Got it. And with everything yeah. that's still going on, we're still dealing with the court case. We're still dealing, you know, with the criminal charges and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Then uh, now he's got a bottle of opiates so and he could continue to get them the VA would just get them to him when he wanted them so and obviously that's a, a typical story but um in some some cases uh but that's kind of how it started and he came so he was on those for a while and then he um came I think he actually opened up to my aunt my aunt is, uh, she was a cocaine addict or is, I guess is the what they'll say. It. So, and so, but she's in recovery for, oh gosh, she's 16 years now, now. Oh, wow. good for uh, her. But, so at that time she had already had like a decade in. So he opened up to her because she would come and visit us. She lives in Florida. She'd come and visit like two or three times a year. And she always goes to a meeting at, almost every day. Oh, you know, still even today. So she, um, she was just visiting us, but then she'd leave early and leave her daughter with me. Our daughters have the same, she's my aunt, but our daughters are the same age. (laughs) And, um, so she'd leave her with me and then she'd go to a meeting. And so Rick kind of opened up to her because he was, he admitted that he thinks he was getting addicted to the pills.
0: Mm. Mm. It's interesting. And
3: I don't know if I knew enough, like there was a lot of things I didn't know at the time and still don't know. I think at that point he was even buying them off the street at that mm. time and I didn't know he was. Yeah. So, cause I think the VA started running out, things started running out. He just didn't get them um, and he started buying them. So I think around that time. So I think he started to go to some meetings, but I don't know. My aunt wasn't like, oh, I could take you under my wing because she lived in Florida. So, and then I didn't know enough about any of that to be like, okay, well, stop buying that. Maybe we just need to go talk to the VA about, you know, some kind of pain therapy treatment, you know, like to make sure, you know, that that was the reason. Um, so that was kind of, I guess, the first sign. And I don't remember timeline where that was.
0: Did it happen pretty quickly though? Like, was he going from the prescription to then buying them on the street pretty fast or did that take a while
3: i think it had to have been pretty fast because what i say like 14 and so then it had to have been yeah because i said yeah because 15 would have been carb day right mm-hmm. so and 15 is the christmas of 15 is when i met you guys
0: correct so yeah.
3: he had to have had surgery like that summer yeah. yeah. Then, so everything did move quickly. Wow, then yeah.
0: escalated really fast.
3: Yeah. So then it just became which that was him with anything. He was always really good at it, really fast. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but, so yeah, I because I didn't. We didn't even check in or go even talk about Fairbanks until like around like it was fall time, maybe uh, November, like early November, late October.
0: So what was what led to that? So he he comes to your aunt and and says, I think I might be addicted to these. Um, But what is the motivating factor that gets him to seek treatment or at least even consider it?
3: Uh, I don't know that it was motivation. Cause I think I ended up Got forcing it. Okay. it because I, um, so he would say that, right. And he says, I need help. I need help. And I don't know how to help him. Right. So I'd suggest like, yeah. I'd find out anything I could like, what about this? What about that? But not saying like, you need to do this. And then but then I then I became a watchdog, though, because I was like, oh, I think he's Mm -hmm. buying them. So I'd like I like that's where I got into looking or paying attention to money. He was already a very compulsive spender Mm -hmm. to begin with. So I always had to watch money anyway, let alone like, like what he's spending it on. Um, Yeah. So I started doing that. But then I started snooping, um, like in his car and things like that. And that's when I started finding like baggies like where he like what I didn't know what was in it, you know. And you're like trying to sniff it, like what was in this? You know, I don't know. You know, like does it have a smell? I don't know. Or like I would find a bag of pills and like not try to call him out on it, you know, because he'd opened up to me, you know, and said at some point that he was buying them, you know. Um, but he would be like, I'm only taking one a day. I just need it to get by, you know? And so, but then I'd start counting them. You know, mm-hmm. being like, are you really taking them one a day? You know, so you start yeah. counting them, and then I would find. Um, I remember I opened up the, con- the middle console of his of his car at the time, and I found this thing, and I was like, what is this thing? I don't know what it is. It was like it looked like i don't know it was like a plastic round thing and i was like i don't even know what this is right like it's like and it's got colors to it it's like clear plastic and it had a color to it and i was like what is this like what could it be so i'm like googling on amazon like trying to like figure out what it is like green plastic thing like da da, da. so it takes me forever to figure it out but it was a pressure oh, crusher.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: oh. But I didn't know what it was. It looked so odd to me. I mean, uh, in what time in my life do I need to crush a pill? And so maybe when I was trying to, like, take aspirin as a kid or something, my mom couldn't give it to me. But we just did it with a spoon, you know? like (laughs)
1: Right. And
3: and, uh, so, so I found that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he's crushing pills. Like, my mind is like, are you kidding me? And then that's when I started looking and I found, like, something that looked like a straw. It wasn't a straw. It was even tinier. And I was like, oh clearly this is Mm -hmm. what's happening and Mm -hmm. so I confronted him on that and I was like this is beyond like I just have a pain Mm -hmm. problem yeah you know like you don't need to snort a pill because you have a pain problem like in my mind that's what I'm telling myself right like I'm like you are sinking more than just no no pain because at my I mean that's all I knew pain pills were or you know like opiates were get rid of the pain you know I don't I never saw the high part of it so I was like okay you know so then that's when I was like we need to look at treatment and he was actually going to be kind of in between jobs at the time he was like moving and got kind of a better job and so we were like oh well there's like a two-week difference so let's go we went to Fairbanks and found out about some uh, outpatient treatments that he could do um, and then we even could be like oh let's talk to work about hey you need time off early these days or that and like Let's figure it out. So we went and kind of did some of that. And even during that time, like now looking back, I know, obviously I see lots of things that were either signs or like how he would um, detox at mm-hmm. home. And I wouldn't know it.
1: Yeah, You know,
3: like I didn't know what it was. Like, why are you sleeping mm-hmm. and sweating? Like, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just things right. that like, we're like, I have no clue what it is. Like you're super tired and obviously you're not drinking because he did not mm-hmm. drink then. Right and so it's like why are you sweaty and gross like why do you keep getting sick you know why do you you know like it didn't make sense to me I'm like you just need to take care of yourself like Mm -hmm. gross Mm -hmm. you know like but it was totally like him and I don't know and maybe in his way trying to stop taking the pills and he's like detoxing or maybe he ran out of money or I couldn't even get He's probably withdrawing because he was out of out of the stuff yeah you know so um so, yeah. So then we did the outpatient thing, which I think came with the drug testing and all of that. Um, he kind of made a friend group and um, did some of that. And, and even we we invited them over like into our house, you know, like I'm just like, yeah, come over, you know, a couple of them after they go to all their meetings and have to do the 30 and 30.
0: I think that's you know, how we met.
3: Um Mm-hmm. is oh yeah because our our husbands yep. met together yep. first yeah oh,
0: then we came I to your house that. yeah. yeah that's what we played we played uh, yeah that's and what then, steve was so saying alex, oh, yeah we did like we played Wii doubly. bowling or something i totally
3: forgot about where we were
0: playing guitar here we were playing the Wii oh, oh yeah oh my yeah. gosh i forgot yeah. about that
1: so alex did you tell ashley about the family meeting then or had she already I don't come remember. to that at that point
0: i don't i don't I think maybe um I think you were going I don't remember if our husbands were in the same like recovery group like at fair
3: I think they detoxed together potentially
0: but they met somehow I don't know and
3: and I don't yeah yeah maybe or meetings you know I think they kind of go to the Mm -hmm. same meetings even though they're in yeah I'm not sure how
0: you came Mm -hmm. about the family meeting though I don't know if we met first and then you came or what
3: you, yeah because i know we get like the, the whole drill mm-hmm. down like you'd be like these are all the yeah. things you can do you know um yeah. you, know, you, you could do a couple counseling you could go to this family meeting you and the thursday mm-hmm. nights you had this you know so trying to figure out all of that while mm-hmm. still having two kids you know in a house and all these other things yeah. to deal with so um so had yeah.
0: had rick um done heroin before seeking treatment or was this all pills
3: at this point he had but i did oh. not know mm-hmm. Okay. So I did not know that at all. In my mind, it was still just the snorting pills, just uh, just that that mm-hmm. level, even through the outpatient treatment, which he did and then lied about going, even though he said he was going. So it switched mm-hmm. to that. And then he like, I guess relapsed But when I think about it, because in my mind, relapse wasn't a word mm-hmm. yet for me. I hadn't learned enough. Yeah. to know that mm. that's what it was. I was like, "Oh, you're just using again." Right? Like even, you know, so not really realizing I I it was a lot of education I had to do and I I wasn't there yet. So, uh but when he did that again and then I I mean, he was a sicker than a dog. I took him to Fairbanks and then that's when they around like Thanksgiving time. I think right after Thanksgiving maybe, maybe before Thanksgiving because he may have been in during Thanksgiving. Um, detox that's when they at residential so he did then residential for at least I think about 30 days Mm. is that how you found out about heroin at that point so yeah Mm -hmm. so I felt like that was a lot better for him to be that intensive I mean well we are militaries you're like boot camp you know you got to get like brainwashed right (laughs) you got to like go through the whole like you can't just be like oh my regular day and go and take a class and think that's going to change his behavior like for him that I didn't think that that was Now knowing I don't think that was ever going to be successful for him looking back on it. But so I was like, Oh, this, this is great. He's, you know, insurance paid for it. Like it was great. Um, and so, so he did that. And so we like every day, I mean, I got updates not only from him, but the counselors there and just like the different stuff he was going through and then they have a Mm -hmm. family meeting okay yeah where you're with your addict and then it's everybody and then their significant others or families come and it's like this big giant room it's actually just like someone's living room and everybody's stuffed in this living room and like super stuffed couldn't do it now (laughs) you know I don't know how they do it (laughs) 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 Um, because you're literally like squished into everything and you would like if it was your first time you would have to introduce yourself and then like go around the room and so um so I think I introduced myself first and this is the first family meeting and mind you i think they had them weekly or every other week or something and uh i introduced myself first and then he goes yeah i'm i'm rick Maross, and i'm a heroin addict and i was like <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh
3: i was like what like and i'd already talked right so i was like thank god i already said my name because there'd been no way and i mean i just start
2: oh my odd. god and
3: then and then there's just tissue boxes coming at me at every angle from every person you know like here's a tissue like I mean I think he he was smart enough to do it there because that way you know there was support to be like you know you'll get through this you don't you know whatever and um but I think it was pretty clear to everyone that I had wow no
0: I I did not realize how quickly all this happened for you so you basically found out about his addiction and then it escalated from pills to heroin and then he died shortly after that like this all happened in the matter of a year for you that's insane I did not realize that
2: I don't think I that mean, I alcohol
3: was a, was multiple right. process, you know? Um, so, but yeah, so, but once opiates were introduced to it, um, I mean, I look on it now, I think like opiates, they, they right. took him away,
1: yeah. um,
3: so quickly. Um, so that was, that was the part that was just crazy. So, wow. um, yeah, cause then that was Christmas and then, I mean, he did 30 days. And then, uh, I mean, he passed mm-hmm. away in April. Um, so, basically from an overdose, you know. So, right. of, you know, like a relapse, basically is what I mean. A relapse. Right. Yeah. So.
2: so, from Christmas time to when he passed mm-hmm. away in April, was, it, was he completely sober? And then he... Uh... So,
3: he got to two months. Um, I know that because he would be pretty public about it on Facebook. So he would like post a picture of his Mm -hmm. coins, you know, and then he'd even tag me and be like, you know, my awesome wife supporting me, you know, this. And so he made it to two months that time. So like starting residential all the way to two months. Um, But he didn't stay in residential for two months. I think it was like maybe a little bit shy than 30 days or around 30 days. We had to kind of fight with the insurance company to do it that long. Um, which they recommended that he stay in it longer, but they, you know, how insurance company was, I mean, and to that point, when you talk about how fast it was, I guess there was an exercise that they do at, uh, where there, he was that they had to map out his like addiction or his substance abuse issues and like, or, and as everything kind of going on in his life. And I remember he used to brag about it, which is kind of crazy that he the counselors said, because there was multiple in that room at the time, they said that he had the most turbulent timeline out of anybody that had would ever seen. Wow. Like, he bragged yeah. about it. Like, he thought, like, in a way that was just, like, like, an, I don't know, accomplishment. And I, and it's hard to say because mm-hmm. he wasn't, like, proud. But it was, like, that was, that was just kind of the way he was in the military. I want to mm-hmm. go to the extreme. And it's mm-hmm. awesome that I'm the best at it. You know, like, mm-hmm. kind of just that. I don't know what I call it, like a Superman complex. Mm-hmm. Like nothing can bring me down, you know, oh, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. So he made it two months and he was super proud. I mean, he made a huge group of friends um, through it. I mean, people that, I mean, still kind of close to that I message that'll ask me how I'm doing. And cause we brought people, you know, like into our home. I mean, obviously there's a lot of it that's got the anonymity, but he had made some friends that, that he, they got close with. And, uh, but he didn't come home. As that's what I was going to say. He didn't come home uh, from residential. I made the decision to try to put him in. I don't know. It was, what is it called? Oh. It's not called a halfway home. Also, like the sober living. Yeah. Sober living. So we found a sober living place for him to stay. Cause he was actually at that time able to get unemployment. Okay. So we used the unemployment to help fund that part of it. And I was like, let's take advantage of that while you can have it so I don't mm-hmm. have to be your keeper yeah um because that was just a part I mean he was already out of the home for 30 days I was that was so freeing yeah you know, oh, I didn't have yeah. to worry about him I didn't have to worry about what I was coming on to I didn't have to worry about what to explain to my kids or you know mm-hmm. one kid the other one was too little at the time to really know but You know, um, because that, I mean, other than where is daddy, um, I didn't have to explain the behavior, um, which was, so it was like, I don't, and I don't want to have to worry Mm -hmm. about what you're doing all the time. Like, it's like, I don't want to make sure you come home sober. Like, who's Mm going to make sure you do that? Mm -hmm. I I don't want to be the one. Mm -hmm. So he did the sober living for, Mm -hmm. I guess, a couple months. Because then it just was real quick. He got, he, um, he had a positive drug test. So they kick him out. I can't remember what the probation it was like. Obviously, this is a long time ago for me, five years ago. But at some point, I think there's some probation and then he couldn't make it. So he had like so many days to get out, like less than a week to get out. Right. And we even put him in a hotel before. I remember I
0: that. Yeah. Oh, I think mm-hmm. I remember that too.
3: Because I did not, I was like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I think it was a lot I talking to you guys, because I was like, what am I going to do? What? How am I going to live with this? Like, what are the rules? And I I know you guys have had an an episode Mm -hmm. on contracts. And that was what I was like, we before you can come in, we Mm -hmm. have to agree on one. So we went on to some intensive meetings at Fairbanks, like like coming Mm -hmm. up with that contract, right? Um, So before was he he
0: using it this time? Like I I obviously had a positive test, but was that like a one and done relapse, or was he continuously using?
3: Well, and part of it was like he complained about a kidney Mm. stone, so he went to the doctor, and they, you know, because what they Mm. can't prove you have a kidney stone most times. Mm -hmm. So I think they figured out how to like cheat the system in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, I had to, a similar thing that I think you did, Alex, where I literally, like, I wasn't there at the ER. I called the ER doctor and I was like, do not prescribe (laughs) him opiates. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Yeah. I was like, do not. I was like, I don't care how bad that kidney stone is. I'm telling you, do not prescribe him opiates. And then I remember that nurse or doctor on my phone says, if he's in pain, we're going to give him pain meds. (sighs) Uh. That's... and Dang, I was like are you kidding me
0: so unfortunate we've had I think I talked about that recently but how you have to really advocate mm-hmm. for someone to not be prescribed pain medicine when they have a substance abuse disorder it's like it's so hard to get that through to them that this is not the healthiest thing for this person <laughs> it's so frustrating
2: Right. Yeah. Well,
3: and to me, it blew my mind too. Cause I went to the doctor and I was having right. my own anxiety problems. Right. And I'm talking to my doctor about it and I'm having parts where I'm having, um, uh, like I couldn't function at work at some moments. Um, I don't know, it'd be a panic attack, but like my whole eyes would get blurry. It'd be different than just like, it's not a panic attack. Like, Oh my God, everything's crazy. But it would be like, my, my heart rate would go up. My eyes would get blurry and I couldn't see things. I talked to my doctor and she's like, no, that's a panic attack. Mm-hmm. You're just, you know, it looks different on you. So I was like, she's like, I can give you anxiety medicine. And I was like, I mm-hmm. want non-narcotic anxiety medicines. So why can they give me non-narcotic <laughs> anxiety medication? But mm-hmm. they can't, you know what I mean? Like right, have some right. other kind of pain treatment. Yeah. So it was it really, yeah, is. it's just unfortunate.
2: Well, and I'll so, say, I'll say to you, um, Ashley, like now kind of realizing how quickly um, everything progressed, like you coming to meetings and all the things that you did, like kudos to you that you were protecting yourself and protecting your children. Like, because typically, you know, in a couple of months, like you are hardly strong enough to kind of do those things. And um, I mean, just to, to think about that, like you were doing a lot of hard work as well. Like, you know, we were all hanging out at that time and and like you said, yeah. that the tribe really helps for sure.
3: Yeah, I was pretty devoted to understanding. Um, and I think that's a big part of it, too, is realizing how sick I was. Yep. Um, I was pretty sick. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that cycle of whatever you want to call it, codependency, narcissism, I mean, it was all there. Um, and those are all words that before any of that happened to me, I was like, I don't want I, those words are never associated with me. Like, no, those are ugly words. Like those are weak people and not, and, and now knowing what those are and then seeing society like it was like, it's not that way. It's, it's, it was different and understanding and learning about what those are and what they mean and how sick I was, how wound up into the cycle I was. I mean, even after he passed away, I was wound in that cycle. Um, You know, even after I started to try to date, I was wound up in that cycle. Like I'd catch like and you start to catch it, but it would be like crazy. You'd be like, whoa, you start Mm -hmm. to want trouble where there isn't any, you know, because you were used to it. They would get Mm -hmm. you in that cycle of I'm going to build I'm going to. I'm gonna build you up and tear you down. So you're not looking at what I'm doing over here, you know, and it was and that was normal. Um, yeah, and they don't consciously do it. But it was mm-hmm. it was a
1: cycle. So yeah, it's like, well, it's like a mechanism that they kind of have to rely on in order to continue, like their drug use and, and things they have to protect that. Um, and then you're it just becomes so ingrained, like you were saying a pattern. And so mm-hmm. even with a lot of work and time, it's so easy to fall back into those patterns. If you're, even when you're past, like, you know, like you said, even after Rick died, still catching yourself going through those things.
3: Yeah. I mean, cause control was a big one that I wanted to do. And I realized like halfway through his treatment that that was mm-hmm. me being sick, uh, you know, yeah. like how is that like, it, like, how is that me being sick? I'm like, I'm just trying to uh Mm -hmm. you know make everything right you know yeah you're like no that's Mm -hmm. me being sick like those are statements you know and it was just crazy I think one of the most eye-opening things I think somebody said to us and repeated over and over again is you did the sanest thing in the Mm -hmm. most insane moment you know so Mm -hmm. you know looking back just realizing that even as you go through life now you know like whatever decision you made it was because Things were going insane, and you that mm-hmm. was the most rational thing that came to you, right. you know, at that moment. So, right, it kind of helps me get through those. Moments. Right. Okay, I did that then, yeah. now I know, right? You know? Right, yeah.
2: So then he moves back home, moves back home, right?
3: Yes, mm hmm. And things were okay. I mean, I was at being his keeper, you know, like watching him. He just relapsed, so it was everything was still fresh, but we didn't have like options and they were been up there was episodes you know where I was questioning again like are you using like and he would be like no I'm just having a panic attack or this and that I mean I did things I mean I'd even record him to be like mm-hmm. I'm gonna show this one later you know like you know what is this and he he was just so good still at manipulating what I was seeing you yeah. know and so there would just be things like that. So I just always went back to the paper, the contract, you know, like, yeah. okay, well, he's not breaking any of the rules, you know, Da-da-da. he's not this or that. And there'd be times I still call his sponsor, you know, to be like, I-, I think something's going on, you know, like, I don't know what it is. Talk to him, you know. Um, but I mean, looking back on it now, there was several times he was still, I mean, he was still using probably every yeah. day, mm. you know, I mean, there was, there was just insane moments that i would that i think i just wanted it not to be true because he was in my house that i just totally ignored it i mean there was a moment that i mean just brought tears and it still does it's one of the like i think there's moments now that still like haunt me Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and like one of them was he went into the bathroom or downstairs bathroom and he was in there like too long like you know maybe taking a Deuce or something you know like what are you doing in there but you know but you're like "Uh uh-uh you know are you doing drugs because you know like where else are you gonna go and so you know you kind of go up to the door and listen you know to be like you know what are they doing because you want to give them their space you don't want to over whatever but i but i want to know i want to know and i heard him in there mumbling to himself and saying i love you so much this is like valentine's day
0: what
2: Uh, mm. who
3: Like, I don't know. I I don't, at that time, I was like, I mean, is he like cheating on me? Is he doing this or that? I mean, looking back on it now, I'm sure he was like shooting heroin Mm -hmm. into his veins when he's saying it, you know? Like,
2: Mm -hmm. because
3: it is. I mean, it's like the other woman, you know? Um. So it was just like, that's so gross, you know? Like, but it was like, in my brain, like, it's still, it's like, I could take myself to that moment. Yeah, so-
0: (sighs) I don't want to spend. Too, I mean, I obviously like. Okay, so how long after that until like the the, the day happens, like the overdose days,
3: days? Because he only stayed with me got for it. like, I mean, 10, 14 days. Oh, lived in. Death. Right. Yeah. It was not very long. Mm-hmm. Um. So he broke the contract pretty quickly. And one of the things he broke the contract was, mm-hmm. um, if anything got stolen or mm-hmm. like or missing, things are missing. Yeah. Um, so my phone went missing, which I was switching to be on my work phone all the time. So I got rid of my iPhone and we were going to sell it. Well, it just went to business. It just went missing. Mm. And then he's like, no, I already took it. I already took it to Verizon or I don't remember where we went. I already took it and they already gave us the money back. It'll be a credit on the account. And I was like, okay, where's the receipt? Mm hmm. And that was in our contract. You had to pr- provide receipts. If there was going to be things that you mm-hmm. just think, you know, you can go and do, you got to be able to provide a receipt. And I mean, reasonable. And he's like, oh, I don't have it. I don't know where it went. Okay. Well, that's fine. You know what? We'll go tomorrow morning and we'll go. We'll go there and talk to them to make sure it worked. Cause I log in the account. I can't mm-hmm. see anything. Yeah. We'll just go, you know. And, and I just did like, I, I won't even go to work tomorrow. You know, we'll just go. So we wake up in the morning. We get, the kids off where they need to go and uh I'd already gotten ready you know and he took a while to get ready and I was sitting downstairs and you know how like I always think of like there's sounds that happen Mm -hmm. that you recognize and like you know you can think about like my mom waking Mm -hmm. up in the morning I'd always hear the cabinet door open the you know taking the coffee cup out the the way that sounds you know the order of things So I hear he had a, um, an armoire with his clothes in it. I heard that open before he went in the shower and he wasn't one to like lay out his clothes before he got in the shower. Like it wasn't like that. It was always, you heard that noise Mm -hmm. when you got out of the shower to put his clothes on. And I'm like, well, that's kind of odd. Why would you open? Why? Like, it would be like, you know, we lived together for years. Like, you know, like I know what routine you have and and so i was like okay so he went in the shower i ran upstairs and i was like why was he in his more? Mm-hmm. you know and being all snoop snoopy and i go through and it didn't take me long i flipped up like some undershirts and, and under the undershirts was a bag of heroin a spoon Oh. <sighs> and i had no clue i'd never really seen his stuff ever ever maybe empty baggies Maybe, you know, never Mm -hmm. actually saw the needle ever through this whole process. So when I had that in my hand, I had no clue what to do. My whole body was shaking and I, and like, he's in the shower. And so all I could think my, my mom lived close. Like she lived like 10 minutes away is I grabbed my work bag and I grabbed it. And it was like, it was just like sprint to my mom's house. Like it was, I got into the car and I just, and we only had one car at the time. I got into the car and I just drove away as fast as I could to my mom's house and then I just get to my mom's house and I'm like oh yeah, Yeah. Yeah. what what do I do you know like this is I don't know what to do now like this Mm -hmm. it's in our house and so that's what happened I told him he had to get out um, 24 hours to get out uh, and that was all in the contract we had written all that out you know escape plan the whole thing Uh, where he was going to go was up to him and he had to figure it out And, um, I think that's when the family meeting. So the day before I was going to come home and he was supposed to not be there, there was a family meeting. And so I was like, I'm going to go to the family meeting and then I'll stop by the house, which the house was really close to there. And I, and then I will check to make sure everything's good in the house. Like he didn't steal all the TVs or something. And, um, and then I'll go get Mm -hmm. the kids and then I'll bring them home. So, but I wanted to come home first before the, all of that. And uh, so I was in the family meeting. It was a great family meeting. I remember it was one of the best. And um, I was real, I was feeling really good about my decision. Yeah. Everything that happened. And uh, my mom had texted me right before the family meeting. And she's like, you know what? I'm just going to stop by the house for you because I'm, we're out and about, you know, we're going shopping. We're in the area. I'll stop by the house. Just to make sure it's good. So we got through two the hours. These really are like, what, an hour and a half? Two hours. Yeah. Two mm-hmm. hours. Yeah. So it's a long amount of time. And I didn't hear from my mom. Like, everything's good. Da-da-da. Like, nothing. And I was like, then I started to get worried. Like, and I normally kept my phone down, but it was like, we're leaving. And I was like, I don't hear anything. And I think I came up to you guys definitely. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, guys, I haven't heard anything like from my mom. And I'm texting her, and I'm like, mm-hmm. calling. No one's answering their phones. And I'm like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get a text from my mom mm-hmm. that just says, meet me at the house. Yeah. yeah. And so then I go and I, um, I like, I mean, I was just gone. And I started driving home. And I mean, like I said, it's I mean, mile and a half. And i and i i mean i know i know what it is i was like the only other possibility be and i knew it was a small possibility that they're like mm-hmm. knock out drag out fight outside or something crazy but i'm like right yeah, yeah. like not him not him at this point you know um maybe in his glory days but um and so i get there and i mean there's a corner car or in the driveway there's police officers there i mean not lights on or anything um and so i just parked the car mm-hmm. right in the middle of a second i'm like he's gone isn't he and they're like yeah <sighs> yep so i i, I he it, we don't know when it happened i think it happened like a while like maybe earlier um uh, but i kind of he I wasn't talking to me um because obviously he wasn't yeah wasn't happy with me (laughs) wow well
0: thank you for sharing all that number one
3: um that i think it's
0: super helpful (laughs) to hear like a different way this can all go and um i just think that i mean i'm just super proud to know you and like to have been like supporting you through all that and like i think you just did a really good job of you know taking care of yourself always like prioritizing yourself and that's something that's really hard to do and you just did it immediately it was very natural to you to take care of yourself and your kids Um, but to that I would love to know just kind of like where are you now like how have you What has your healing process been like obviously like even though it was super fast and you weren't living with this for like a decade but this was a hugely chaotic and traumatic time how, like, what, what has life been like for you after all of that? And, you know, what work have you done?
3: Oh, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I'm really thankful for the work I did even during recovery. Like I said, I felt like I was in recovery. So I learned so Mm -hmm. much that I take every day now, you know, like reflection, just, just time for me time for all of that. Like I just never did that. So I do that now. Mm -hmm. I think that's important even for my kids to see them, to see their parents take care of themselves, like to see me take care of myself is important when right. they're like, when, I, yeah, like hundred percent when I'm like, no, I need my quiet meditation time or I turn my, you know, my lights to some dark mm-hmm. colors so I can just hang out in the quiet, you know, like, <laughs> no, it's me time. You, I'm like, go set a timer for 30 minutes and you can come back after me time. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. just things like that. Um, for them or just enjoying things like uh, mm-hmm. I enjoy like gaming now like role-playing games not mm-hmm. like, like the Nerdy Dungeons and <laughs> Dragons version that sounds weird I to say role-playing games if you guys don't know <laughs> yeah so, I enjoy that now <laughs> um and so and so it's like learning activities that are fun i mean yeah i might still drink during them um but it's different it's not just going out and partying at a bar um Mm -hmm. you know and and i've been able to play some of those games with my kids now they're getting old enough um and they enjoy it so i mean life's been great as far as initially it was it was crazy just understanding what what i wanted um and I got to choose what I wanted. That was just so bizarre. And understanding that. um, And I think everybody was great and not being like, Mm -hmm. you have to do this now. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't do this. Um, A lot of people are just like, you know, do what you want to do. Like, do you keep the house? Do you, you know, like, all these decisions I had to make, um and I was pretty stubborn about some of them I'm like I'm gonna keep the house no matter what you know like I don't care and, and just things like that but even then going back to dating um I did pretty quickly and probably got judgment <laughs> I don't care um but a lot of that had to do with there the, it was a year right. of no dating you Wasn't know exactly like, a relationship yeah um I yeah. was a wife yeah, I was a wife, but mm-hmm. there, w- there, I wasn't a lover. You yeah. know, um, so there was right. some of that that I wanted. Right. I just wanted attention. You know, you know, even my daughter at the time, because she was eight, I think. Uh, by then, I started dating. She would make fun of me because I'd always have a boyfriend every like three months. You know, you know, she'd be <laughs> like, "You want me to get a boyfriend like every three months?" I'm like, "I just want the right. attention. I don't want to be yeah. married." You know. <laughs> So, um, so I did that for a while and, Mm -hmm. um, until I was ready, you know, then it was Mm -hmm. like, okay, now I seriously want to date again. Um, so that took some time, Mm -hmm. um, before I was ready for that. Um, I I don't know how long I've been with my boyfriend now for almost three years. Yeah. Yeah. So he's put up with me for that long, but even now, like there's so much. Like, it, it, relationships are different. I think a lot of people talk about, like, the, what a Disney relationship is um, and how that doesn't mm-hmm. exist. Like, you're not going to get married and be married forever and then have this little happy little family and this and that. Like, we, we're we strong believers of not that. Like, even though we've mm-hmm. been together for three years, we don't live together. Um, you know, we really have no plans to living together in the Mm -hmm. short term because we Mm -hmm. we like dating yeah (laughs) you know and we he has kids I have kids um so there's some of you know and and then mixed families is also chaotic that sounds more chaotic than dealing with an addict husband so yeah dealing with two other teenagers yeah dealing with other two other teenagers that aren't mine you know like I don't know um, so, yeah. uh, so, but like having that freedom, you know, he'll, he says a lot of things to me, like, he's like, your happiness mm-hmm. is your responsibility, which I like, you know, um, because if mm-hmm. there's something about him not happy with, I, I have to tell him he can't, I can't play the whole, mm-hmm. like, you can't guess why mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mad at you, you know, like just a lot of just building on communication, which has just been huge. Just how better can we communicate and act mm-hmm. like. I say act like adults, but, you know, like being able to be a good partner, um, no matter what you do, I think that's the thing with age, you know, um, starting to learn how to communicate.
1: Yeah. Well, and looking back in, you know, the past relationship and you referenced this earlier, like patterns that you were in that now, you know, are unhealthy. And so being able to like, make sure that you're, you're doing something different because you want different results. That makes sense. Mm-hmm.
3: And the whole expectations thing is big for me. I have to watch my expectations of I expect people to do certain things at certain times and if they don't do it, then I get angry um, and expecting them to know why I'm angry. Mm-hmm. So that I like, I still have to work on. And I think is a big part of that, that codependency and that, that cycle, um, of going, you should know why I'm upset or, you know, like, you, why would you do that? Like you, that makes me upset versus talking about why it makes me upset and what I would like mm-hmm. them to do. You know, just talking through it versus just getting mad about something <laughs> yeah. they don't know why. Right. <laughs> Um, I have a question so
1: you mentioned this you know the day that Rick died the the family group that we were in and it being a good mm-hmm. group and I do remember us all talking about like you telling us that you mm-hmm. were following the contract and had asked him to leave because he broke the contract and everybody you know was very supportive of that and was like you're doing exactly what you should be doing based on everything you've agreed on. Like he knew what he agreed to, like, these are the consequences. Um, but I'm w- even with knowing that like afterwards, how did you deal with like just feelings of, you know, just processing, like, were there issues of guilt? And if so, like, how did you overcome that? Or was it something that you felt at peace? Like, I know I made the right decision. And just like, how did you navigate I guess the emotional
3: side of it. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a lot of wishing you knew earlier and not in the sense of like a week earlier, you know, like under like all the things that I had learned in my time recovering, wishing that I knew that like out of high school, you know, like, wishing you knew that or wishing, you know, like, you'd know what the signs are and, and, and all of that. Um, I think that was the only thing. But as far as his, his death, and like, in my role in it, if there was any, I was really at peace with it. And I think it had a lot to do with my recovery. I never questioned, like that I didn't do the right thing for me and the family. And I don't know if it would have happened at a different time in recovery, if I would have felt that way. But I know then I did. I mean, I was so so sure and I never questioned it later um and and I just I guess I'm really thankful for that like whatever process and the people that brought me along that way and people that helped me and educated me um I never questioned you know I I never had guilt you know I I have anger and the anger was more at the disease Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um because I strongly believe that like The opiates basically like ripped apart his soul Mm -hmm. and took it away from me Mm -hmm. even before his, you know, he, he died. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of parts of him that were no longer there um, at that time, you know, when he was that sick. Um, I mean, just things that would just hurt me so bad, realizing that that wasn't him. I mean, he meeting him and falling in love with him he would never take stuff away from our family he would he would lay down his life yeah. for anything mm-hmm. to and not take stuff from us um but he literally took stuff from us at the end you know would just take anything to be able to get high and that was just so maddening yeah. you know I'm like there's no way that's him mm-hmm. that's not him I don't know who this person is it's not him and I think that was the hardest part for other people um when I would explain my story to them or like tell them like what has happened to me in the last year Mm -hmm. if they've been on the outskirts of my life um they're like I had no clue actually even my mom which is someone I I deeply confide in when I would tell her story she was like what Mm. like you had you were doing you were dealing with that like just the episodes of staying up all night or the the cold sweats in the bed and like just just all of that or the ups and downs in the middle of the night you know having to go through his phone and like taking literally snaps of conversations with Mm his dealer to confront him in the next morning you know like yeah just all that chaos that you're just like you don't want to share that with everyone you know and or do they understand you know, because then they, they don't understand the the addiction either. And, and so they're just mm-hmm. like, well, you just need to kick mm-hmm. him out. You know, you just need to do mm-hmm. this. And you're like, well, that's not going to help anything. So true. Um.
2: <sighs> oh, man. Well, Ashley, what a wonderful, probably a very difficult conversation for you, but we so, so appreciate uh, you just taking the time and and sharing with us, like,
3: oh, absolutely. I don't know how you were going to keep this under. an I hour I feel like I you don't could know how you're <laughs> keep gonna going edited down to that. I uh, think this yeah,
2: can yeah. go a <laughs> few minutes
1: over. It's no, no right.
2: problem. <laughs> Well, thank you again. Yeah. Any closing words or anything for us or the audience? No, I
3: mean, thank you guys for doing this. Um, you know, I, I've looked at back at some of the the podcast titles that you guys have done, and I relate <laughs> yeah. to every single one of them. Um, so uh, I, I understand and think it's great. Um, so, you know, and if there's ever, like, if anybody reaches out and they have questions about me or what I went through, and they are a widow, too. Um, or what to do, um, please let, let me know and I, I will talk to them. I, I, I go out and talk when people ask me, um, especially just with the PTSD and the veteran part of it. It is important to me, um, but I do have my my own life as well. But anyway, I can support that and try to get the education that I do. Um, I've even talked to some congressmen and trying to get better funding. I mean, I think better education in our healthcare, let alone just... Yeah. But veterans it's really yeah. bad. Um, just just it's night and day. Um, what's private and public? But, um, yeah. Yeah. So, Thanks yeah. for all of that. I that's, Thank you guys. That's really nice, and because I think we
1: all know how important connecting with other people going through some similar situations is. So, we will. Well, it was sure huge to that. me
3: to have you guys. Was huge. I mean, I know I looked at a lot of podcasts and I found that very um, therapeutic because it gets—it's just whoever's listening is just sitting in a room listening to them, and it's just us and them, and mm-hmm. they don't have to worry about the rest of the world looking mm-hmm. on them, um, which is great. And I know I did that, but even having you guys in the small group, there there isn't a lot of um, significant others. You know, we were so, yeah. uh, surrounded by parents, right? Um, in most meetings, um, so it was—it was. I definitely held on tight. To you guys oh, cool. through the chaos, it was so great so. to catch up yeah. with
0: you. Wonderful, thank you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right,
3: everyone. That's thank so
2: you good. for listening to Boy Problems Podcast. Uh, if you have any questions or anything you want to say to us, hello at boyproblemspod.com and keep coming back. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.